0: Well, Brian, we're here. Graham, we're back. It's uh, another Real Stories with Graham and Brian here. Today, we have, a, I think, an awesome topic. I think so, too. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, we've had a lot of, actually, so some people have requested this one. Um, we've danced around it several times. And um, this week, we're going to just talk about the Wyandotte Indians that lived, uh, the Native American group that lived in Upper Sandusky from
1: around 1630 to 18. 43. Yep. I, I bet you, I uh, bet a lot of people out there didn't even know that they haven't been here the whole time. They hadn't been here the whole time. Right. Yeah. The Wyandots came here uh, down from Michigan, uh, well, originally
0: from around Toronto over to Michigan, down North Shore Lake Huron. Yep. And down the Sandusky Valley to the upper Sandusky.
1: Yep. Sandusky. Up the Sandusky River. Yes. Uh, the
0: translation of Sandusky could be lots of things, but I've always went with that water in pools description so yeah this is a it's an it's a tough topic it is Um, and brian and i have tried as as hard as we could to be fair um and just be real about it right right it's real stories we're just trying to we've we've looked through actually sprawled out in front of us right now are our three books um and probably a hundred pages of printed uh, uh
1: resources History doesn't always fit neatly into a nice little index of, of uh, you know, clean things to discuss. Sometimes there are dirty little secrets that we need to talk about, but it, I I think, and Graham agrees with me, I think, on this, that we need to discuss it. We need to talk about it so that we understand it. Um, and if we don't, then we're doomed to repeat it.
0: Yeah. Um, and in, in this case, um, the, the Wyandotte story we're going to get to is how the Wyandotte Indians, the were removed from Wyandotte County in 1842, the the treaty with the Wyandots in 1842, and then their uh, ultimate removal to Kansas and Oklahoma and Michigan in 1843. Uh, It's a story that we've heard a little bit, bits and pieces throughout our lives and wanted to get to the bottom of it. We're going to try to
1: put a timeline together for everybody so that they understand that it how, how long it took for all of this to happen because it wasn't just overnight.
0: It's a very interesting story because uh, as far as I can tell, there was never a period of extreme strife between the, the, the American settlers that were coming here and the natives. Certainly there were individual instances Sure, Um, But there, you know, there was never any kind of real war, right? Colonel Crawford was the last time the Wyandotte Indians and the Americans
1: engaged, engaged. Yeah. Uh,
0: So, you know, and and there was certainly political and legal manipulation Mm -hmm. on the part of the American government. John Johnson, uh, not John. Yeah. John Johnson. John Johnson. And Andrew Jackson, Andrew Jackson, the you know the the all that stuff. There there was definitely manipulation, but I think that the Wyandots, because they were badasses, handled themselves really well, and they ended up getting a treaty that they wanted.
1: Now you'll you'll hear Graham refer to the Wyandots as badasses several times. <laughs> I want to <laughs> I want to clarify a little bit what he means by that. It, it's not like they were standing outside in the alleys waiting to beat people up. What, no. what he means is that they were, they were intelligent and able to kind of form their own opinions and form their arguments and form alliances and, and just do the things that modern uh, intelligent people do. Yes. So they were ahead of the curve, uh, probably ahead of the curve for a lot of the Americans at the time even. Uh, they, they had a, a knack for thinking big picture. Yeah, so. They
0: they were an awesome people. Yeah. They are an awesome people. And yep. I think that's part of the story is that the Wyandots didn't go away. Um, they they moved, but they didn't go away. The culture and still exists. I still feel, you know, I I've I've got this thing inside of me where I I feel like I was born here in Wyandot County, and I know that does not make me at all connected to the Wyandot <laughs> Indians. But I was born here and they were born here. Yeah, you know, Tarhee well, Tarhee wasn't born here, but you know, the, the most of the wine dots that lived here were born here. And I think there is something about being born in a place that gives you some geo-emotional connection.
1: I, I, I think uh, you know, depending on your, your views of religion, it's 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 not out of the realm of possibility that the energy that existed within those mm-hmm. people was yeah. somehow transferred to like your ancestors and then eventually into your mother and then eventually to you as you were born. Yeah. It's getting deep, but I uh, totally, I know because that's exactly (laughs) what I'm thinking. There's a connection to the land. So yeah.
0: So hopefully Brian and I will do respect to this topic. Uh, I can tell you this. It's, it's a story that is more personal than we could ever know. Yeah. It's a story that's more emotional than we can grasp um, without being there. It's a story that's more rich than anything that this podcast will be able to, to capture. Yeah. Well, but it is. Uh, it's a real story. And so Brian and I are going to try to do it justice.
1: We, we also want to make sure that everybody understands that we're not taking sides here on on either party. Oh, uh, for we're sure. just presenting the facts and uh, we'll let you interpret them how you may. All so, right. So, yeah, we'll uh, get we'll get to the show. I hope everyone out there enjoys it.
0: So let's just do this. Yeah, let's do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, let, let's do this. Uh, for, just just for a little context, Graham and I have been sitting here. We, we there's a lot of delicate information as we you know discussed in the intro, a lot of delicate information to kind of cut through and we want to make sure that everybody understands what's going on here. Uh, we We're trying to figure out trying to do the right thing, I guess because you know, like Grandpa always said, just do the right thing. Yeah, old grandpa. Man, yeah. what a good dude. <laughs> so we're trying to do the right thing. And so so we've been researching, is it Native American? Is it American Indian? Is it Indian? Um, what, what we have found through just some websites is that um, it, both Native American and American Indian are acceptable references. Um, and... The term "Indian" is actually a, a shortened version of "American Indian." So we're, if we say "American Indian," uh, it, there's no offense intended. It, it's, uh, we're hoping we're right.
0: Yeah. Well, and we're just, you know, we're gonna do it how we can do it, and we're, we hope that everyone realizes that we mean uh, we're, we're trying to respect everything here.
1: We're trying. We're just trying to tell the story. We the, are. And and, 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 and as and as honest terms as we can
0: yes um i tend to if i am talking about native americans i say native americans yeah but when it's a tribe it it rolls off the tongue more well the wyandot native
1: americans sound is is a it's a handful yeah
0: or to say the wyandot indigenous people or the wyandot people is really ideally what would come come on you know the wine dots probably just the wine dots yeah um but sometimes if we if we do say indian we don't know we're not trying to be offensive in that way and hopefully
1: uh, you know hopefully everybody out there knows that
0: we're just trying to tell these stories yeah and
1: so enough with the pc let's start let's let's go to the north shore of lake huron this story
0: begins <laughs> um who knows pre you know in the 1500s in can't is now canada in between the georgian bay of well, Lake Huron
1: and Lake Ontario. I, I think the story is we know it, but, but the the population or the, the people probably go back way further than that. Oh, uh, well, yeah. yeah.
0: You know, as far back as time, you know, as, as um, man has been around.
1: Uh, well, but, maybe. I mean, it, it could have been a, a thousand years before that, which, you know, because yeah. there were mound building cultures and, in there somewhere also. We don't know how the mound building cultures morphed into... Uh, like the, the modern-day Native American populations that we consider to be, uh, you know, normal. The,
0: as a real story, the only place we can start is in the year 1615. There you go. When Champlain, a French explorer missionary into looking for furs in Canada, uh, discovered the the Huron people, um, and they called them the Yendats. Yeah. Uh, and that's where that came from. Actually, I, you know, I was born, I was raised in upper Sandusky and I definitely learned about the native Americans and in school. And then I went to college and I, I, you know, I've been studying this stuff for a long time, but I was in Toronto for my brother-in-law, Alex bachelor party. I
1: I was with you. You were with me. (laughs)
0: And. Um there was a historical marker down by we we went d- all the way down that you one guy, day.
1: You guys went that day. Yes. Yeah, I stayed back with somebody but yeah. You and Corey. Maybe, maybe me and Davis, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh and I went down and and down on Lake Ontario, there was a historical marker for the Yendot Indians, the Yendot native aboriginal first people of that area and I remember thinking boy that that it's, sounds a lot like Wyandotte.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> what, Wyandotte was Anglic. What's the term? Ang- Anglicized. Anglicized. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, so anyway, on the that northern shore of Lake Ontario, where Toronto is now, up through the Georgian Bay of Lake Huron, is where the Wyandotte people come from. Uh, as far back as we know.
1: So so let me give a a quick lesson here. Graham just used a a million-dollar word, Anglicized. Uh, It's actually really important that everybody understands. When Europeans first started coming to North America, a lot of these words didn't exist in writing. So, so what they had to do is they had to kind of interpret. They had to hear what what the population was saying, the Native American population was saying, and then try to spell it out the best they could. So, imagine being the first person in the world to hear the word Potawatomi. Well, how are you going to spell it? Well, the next person might spell it a little bit different, and the next person after that, and the next person after that. And then you get into the problem where you have the English language and the Dutch language and the French language all kind of melding together, and they're all spelling these words differently. So, So they're trying to use the alphabet that they know, the 26 characters in the alphabet that they know, to spell these Native American words that have never been written down before. So what Graham's describing is a great example of that, in that... The wine dot or yen dot or Wendot, W-E-N-D-O-T is another way I've seen it spelled. Um, basically, it's all the same people. It's just different versions of the same name. Right.
0: Yeah. And so, it, yeah, so that's where that word comes from. Uh, there's a bunch of different uh, explanations out there of what like Huron means. Sure. Uh, and it could be all
1: sorts of different stuff. Huron, Huron, Huron.
0: Yes, exactly. So anyway, so they did. Champlain found them uh, and taught them some Catholicism, and Mm -hmm. actually, that Catholicism will stick with them for the next two hundred years. And when John Stewart comes in the nineteen in the eighteen teens, um, they are they're not a Christian people, but they did have some. They're
1: familiar with Christianity.
0: Yes. Yeah. It wasn't completely foreign to them. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, there are probably 12,000 natives that lived, of the Wyandots that lived up there. And then around 1639, uh, they got hit with the pox. Oh. Uh, get vaccinated people. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, they got hit with the pox and um, they then became weakened. And the Iroquois, those big bullies, <laughs> uh, the, the Iroquois. Um, and then went kind of into maybe like a 20 year sort of period where they didn't get along so well. And before, uh, by, by about 1639, um, it was getting bad and there was war between the Iroquois and the Wyandots. Uh, somewhere in between 1648 and 1678, the Wyandots are sort of pushed north and west. Across Ontario, uh, modern day Ontario, they end up uh, over around Detroit, up around Mackinac. Um, maybe by the 1680s, they are beginning to move south. And sometime around 1710, they uh, made their way to the Sandusky Valley. Uh,
1: 1710. And, it, and that had, so, over a period of about 100 years, they were move, gradually moving south and west.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. A little bit at a time as, you know, pick up, move 50 miles, try to get away from the, the fray. Uh, yeah. Move on a little bit more.
0: Yeah. yeah. O- on the Wyandotte Nation website, which is a great website. It really is. Oh, yeah. They, that's, a, that's a fantastic they, resource. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Lots of what I've gathered has come from there. Um, but it, it says in there that by 1720, most of the Wyandotte Nation was living in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then by 1723, they establish a village in Upper Sandusky. So I've heard people say, this. "Well, the Wyandots had been here for thousands of years." It's like, mm, no, nope. <laughs> they had been here for a hundred years, um, you know, or or so. But they they hadn't always been here. Ohio has a very, again, a very rich and interesting. Um, history with its native people, with the mound builders, the it, Adena and the Hopewell, it, and all it, that stuff.
1: It does, but it also has kind of a dare I say it boring long term history because for the longest time it wasn't anything but the hunting grounds. Agreed, it was a
0: sacred sort of. They, the, um, there, I, I took an, a class at Ohio State, and uh, it was all about Ohio um the mound building cultures. Yeah. Oh, it was fascinating. And we and it was an on-site gra- graduate class. So we went to the Newark Earthworks and learned about oh, yeah. the Newark Earthworks. We went to Fort Ancient at the Miami Valley right by Cincinnati. And we learned about the, there. But one and that, thing
1: and that was a thousand years before it was, it was during the time of 5, Jesus. Yeah. It was two thousand years, years ago. Two thousand years ago.
0: Yeah. Um and one thing I remember them saying was that there have been in Southern Ohio in those mounds. They have found archaeological
1: debris from all over the continent. Yeah, yeah. And... Well, all, all over the... I mean, they've, they've found stuff from other countries or mm-hmm. other continents too. Correct. they yeah. found
0: things... they found seashells that are indigenous to like the west coast of South America. Yeah. And they believe that there was some sort of ritual pilgrimage that, ha- that came to the Ohio Valley. Yep. Um, and, and so anyway, then when the Adena and then the Hopewell vanished somewhere, you know, a couple hundred years after Jesus, uh, there was kind of not much. And the Shawnee have, I think claimed to be the descendants of those people. They're the old people. Well, yeah. Um, uh- but,
1: a lot of them, they don't know exactly how they right. in, incorporated into the modern day civilizations as we know it. Though. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but but anyway, so we're in Ohio. We're seventeen twenty three, and the Wyandots are you know um, building a, a culture here, and very rich, very awesome culture. They have got the Sandusky River Valley. They have un-hunted the wilderness to yeah. hunt for all of the things they need. There's maple trees and all sorts of nut producing trees around here. There
1: there were bears, which apparently the Wyandotte Indians were very adept at hunting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I try, I tried to tell, tell some of my students that, yeah, there were like small black bears living around here. Not, not a whole lot. There long were elk. Ago. Yeah, <laughs> there were bison. Like, oh, there's never been that stuff, right? I'm like, yeah. There yes, were. There, there were definitely has. <laughs> there were
1: bison in Wyandotte, or maybe not in Wyandotte County, but like in this area, there were the 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 fauna of Ohio has changed significantly in the last oh. two three hundred years. Oh,
0: unbelievably, yeah. yeah. I mean, now we're just cornfields. So yeah, <laughs> it's right. Like, I, I
1: don't know that we had you know large brown large brown bears like grizzlies or anything, but but there certainly were black bears, small and, black bears, yep.
0: and yeah, they would have been smaller up here, most likely. Just because of the climate, Por- but, Porcupines. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. elk. So anyway, yeah, but it, yeah, so yeah. the wine dots are here, and they um, you know, they, without getting into everything, they had all sorts of cool stuff going on. They were the grandfathers of the Huron people. And so they had gauntlets would be run here oh. uh, out by Marseilles. There was a gauntlet ground uh, where <laughs> Simon Kenton ran the gauntlet. He did run that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, people from all over, uh, native people from all over Ohio, would be brought to the Wyandots to run these gauntlets.
1: So, so let's let's talk about the gauntlet quick. What what yeah. is the you know? There's people out there that don't fully <laughs> understand what the gauntlet means. Well, I'll tell
0: you what. Uh, the first time I had. I have ran the gauntlet, Brian, um, when yeah. I played middle school football uh, for Robbie Lee <laughs> and Rick Gagnon, and we would have to run the gauntlet. Yeah. And what it was, was you you had the football and the entire team would line up in a parallel line mm-hmm. as long as it was. And then you had to run through while all of them were trying to strip the ball from
1: you. Yeah. So that that's football practice. That's my, when, <laughs> when I was
0: in sixth or seventh grade, that, that was the gauntlet. And so what a Native American gauntlet was, was a punishment usually for a pretty serious crime.
1: Like being, like existing where you weren't supposed to be existing. Yeah. For if you were Simon Kenton, <laughs> yeah.
0: you know, you come into this area and the dots capture you, they strip your clothes off. Yeah. And then you have to run through this gauntlet while they hit you with sticks and boards and throw rocks at you and kick you. And when you're down, they're beating you. And if you make it, then you make it then you make it. Yep. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the rule.
1: Generally. I, I, I don't know for sure, but it seems to me like all the, the stuff that I've, the, the number of different times I've read about referencing the the gauntlets, if they wanted you to make it, yeah. you, you made it. Exactly. But if they didn't want you to make it, you weren't, you make weren't it. making it. Yes. And it was, and it was going to hurt the entire time you were not making it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And I think there was a, so there was a gauntlet ground around Marseille's uh, for those of you listeners out there, uh, not from Wyandotte County, you would perhaps pronounce that town Marseille, <laughs> but around these parts, we call it Marseilles. So uh, anyway, they ran a gauntlet out there, and then I think there was one out by uh, Cranestown later um, that, that came into play. But anyway, they they were a well-respected tribe, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, they they had all sorts of cool rituals and, um, you know, there's 13 clans and, you know, we could go through. It's like the big turtle, the the little turtle, the mud turtle, the wolf, the bear, the beaver, the deer, the porcupine, the striped turtle, the highland turtle, the snake and the hawk yeah. clans. And each clan
1: had their own did village. You, did you just ramble those off the top of your head? No, I have a list. <laughs> I will admit awesome. that I have a list. If I
0: could ramble them off, I'd be impressed with myself.: That's I can okay. barely remember my kids' names. so <laughs> um, Any Anyway, yeah, and they you know, they had laws, they unwritten laws, but they did have all sorts of, you know, they it was a f- pretty vibrant, thriving culture of mm-hmm. people that lived here. They had a jail, you know, and all, all sorts of stuff. So any, anyway, they are here. And as we get into like the, you know, early 18 or I'm sorry, late 1700s, they have an encounter with Colonel Crawford that Brian and I have already told the whole story about. Um, and, and I think if, if we maybe so, get to that point of, you know, in, in 17, 83, the Wyandott's. Have an encounter with Colonel Crawford. They, them, and the Delaware annihilate them. They, they, they made their point, <laughs> and they made their point. They burn Colonel William Crawford at the stake, and the American people sort of took note. Took note, and uh, a- after that, there was an att- you know people attempted to to revenge Colonel Crawford's you know. Uh, uh, character and nobody did it. No one came here. They, the Wyandots had, um, they had proven their point and things were.
1: Listen, the, here, here's, yeah. here's something else we have to take into consideration. And, and this is something that we don't talk about really enough. This whole corner from, from where we're at right now, Wyandotte County up into basically up into the Southwest corner of Ohio, it was swampland. So, so, there was no reason for us to for anybody to want to be here anyway. there There wasn't anything here but typhoid and uh, malaria and just disease and stuff like that because it was all the Great Black Swamp. Now, with the great black swamp and and George Washington actually quoted this while he was, uh, while he was mapping this section out for the the soldiers who fought in the French and Indian War in the seven in 1770, he said there were wolves, cougars, bear, bison, and elk found across the state. Yep. So it it was it was a good place to live on the edge of, which is basically what the Wyandotte Nation was essentially doing by living in Wyandotte County because they had access to all that great hunting grounds and all that great you know swamp land and and just really horrible <laughs> land to to be in. But they didn't have to live on it. They lived. They lived in the high grounds of Wynut County. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It. It. You know. We. Brian and I love it here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There. There is geographically, it's. It's an interesting spot. Because um, we're very near. You know, we, we can walk about 16 miles south and get on the Scioto River and head to the Ohio River and yeah. be. You know, in a few weeks, emptying out into the Gulf of Mexico, or we can walk about. 300 yards and get on the Sadusky river and end up in Lake Erie and head out the St. Lawrence Seaway. Eventually
1: I can also uh, turn a sprinkler on in my backyard. Because there's fresh water here, so suck it, Southwest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: it, there's it's it's not the most exciting place in the world. No, but it's a flyover. <laughs> geographically, it's it is a unique little spot. Yeah, I, I mean, they, our, and everybody is our, in a unique spot.
1: People but. have settled here because for a good reason, because it had everything that you could ask for to survive.
0: Yes, exactly. So, um, okay, so Colonel Crawford. After that. There is, you know, relative, I guess I'm just going to call it relative calm. Mm -hmm. Um, There had been some treaties, you know, um, starting around that time, Treaty of Fort Stanwix that opened up the basically the Ohio Valley to Native settlement. Um, And then uh, then we get to, I I would say, probably where what you could say the Treaty of Fort Stanwix is the beginning treaty of Wyandotte or of Native American cultures being forced out of ohio uh but i think if we uh get to uh the year 1785 1785? 1785 1780 1785 or 86 sorry in 1786 um chief tar he signed the treaty of fort finney have you read about that one i've not no um finney f-i-n-n-e-y yeah treaty of fort finney hmm. um it was at at uh, fort mcintosh Uh, They signed it. There had been a a bunch of hostages that were taken, I believe, is this after? Yeah, this is just there had been hostages that had been gathered during the American Revolution. Mm -hmm. And that treaty was the treaty to like, hey, let's get all of our people back. Um, You know, any natives that have been captured during the war. Um, And that was as far as I could find uh, one of the first sort of treaties that the the wine dot specifically had made with the the americans
1: so fort finney for for those out those of you out there listening uh it was at it was at the mouth of the great miami river near the modern city of cincinnati oh so,
0: that's right we yeah you and i had looked at that last I week i think we yeah we did talk about this yeah, one time i the remember fort, fort finney fort now finney. yep uh so anyway that that's probably um where everything sort of begins and uh after that what we're, we're uh we're kind of in a a slow white settlement region of ohio and then uh after the treaty of greenville well i suppose we should talk about fort Meigs.
1: yeah i i mean just start at the beginning right
0: Okay, well, let's start at the Battle of Fallen Timbers in 1794, which is up by Toledo. If you go to Levis Commons Mall, you know, it's, it's uh, around in that region, around Fort Meigs today. Um, that is a huge loss for all Native Americans in this region, in, in, in Ohio. I would say there is a tipping point in Ohio Native history. It has to be the Battle of Fallen Timbers, Mad Anthony Wayne. Goes up. It's called Fallen Timber. You know why it's called Fallen Timbers?
1: Because a tornado went through the night before that, or a, or a really bad storm anyway, and there were trees down everywhere.
0: Yes, trees <laughs> fallen down everywhere. Well, anyway, after that battle, the Wyandots, uh, all the clans fought there, and they, uh, they came out of it devastated. Um, it, it, it is the devastating uh, battle for all of the native people of Ohio, but definitely the Wyandotte, 12 of the 13 Sachems died at the Battle of Fallen Timbers. And the only one to survive is our most famous Native American chief who is? Sitting Bull? No, <laughs> I wish Sitting Bull. <laughs> no, uh, oh, oh, Maybe tar-hi. a guy, Tarhee. Tarhee. Uh, Chief Tarhee was the only one to survive. Tarhee, whose nickname is the Crane, he was tall. He was probably 6'4. He's probably six four. Yeah, he's a, um, he's a six footer. He's it, a big dude. He's yeah. like a George Washington of the Wyandots.
1: Yeah, yeah. And tallest guy in any route. Tallest guy. Tallest, guy, yes, <laughs> tallest <laughs> guy in the wigwam. Yes, tallest guy in the
0: wigwam. And yeah, so Tarhe survives and comes back to Ohio, probably slightly dejected. Um, he had been wounded in his elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, never fully recovers necessarily from that as kind of like a, a bad arm the rest of his life. But he decides, look, this is, it's a, it, we can't beat him. Uh, and I think it's sad, but that's, I think, where he was, was like, look, we, we can fight this.
1: These guys are too good.
0: Uh, there's too many of them. Their weapons, the way they fight. Turns out they're willing to die. Yes. <laughs> and um, so he... Uh, signs the Treaty of Greenville in 1795, which is the treaty that opens up northern Ohio to white settlement in 1795.
1: So pre-statehood. There, there still were designated uh, Indian reservations, but they they weren't called reservations, I don't think, at that point yet. Um, but there still were dedicated Indian reservations, and, but the white settlers... Uh, had access to them or or were allowed to enter them just not necessarily settle in them
0: yeah i i think that especially with the wine dots they were they were interested in um american goods
1: they were interested in, in assimilation because it meant peace agreed to and that,
0: and that's Tarhee. i think Tarhee's legacy is that he felt like peace was the answer yeah and i obviously Tarhee didn't Want the Wyandots to end up living in Kansas, I, um. But I think he knew that if they fought, they were going to die. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he just picked the side of peace, which I I can understand. That's how I would be.
1: I mean, it, if <laughs> if you have no choice, if if your only if your only option is to die, I mean, why wouldn't I choose peace over to die? Yeah.
0: So so yeah. So it's Chief Tarhee is the main. Indian delegate, kind of spokesman there. Uh, he'll give a, a an awesome speech right towards the end. Uh, but it's a bunch of people there. William Henry Harrison's there. Meriwether Lewis is there. William Clark is there. That's where those two meet. Leather Lips, Roundhead, Blue Jacket, Little Turtle, just to name a few. But Tarhe is definitely the main signer, the main sort of leader of the group at
1: that meeting. So this is still Fallen Timbers, right? Uh, this still is fall? after Fallen Post Timbers. Post Fallen Timbers, just yes. Fallen Timbers. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, actually I want to read you, uh, I'm looking through my notes here, but I know I've got it. Yeah. I'll just read you. Um, so th- they recorded some of Tar uh, words at the battle of fallen timbers. And I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll pick one of these. There's a bunch of them. Uh, brother, brother, I clear away the hovering clouds that we may enjoy a clear, bright day and easily see the sun, which the great spirit has bestowed upon us to rise and set continually. You know, just like, Hey, look, let's make peace so we can hang out here Yeah,
1: um, a, and stay here. Uh, it's a beautiful morning. Let's get some more of these.
0: Bro- <laughs> How about this one? Brothers, listen, I now wipe your body clean from all blood with this white soft linen, and I do it with as much tenderness as I am capable of. You have appointed this house for the chiefs of the different tribes to sit in with you, and none but good words ought to be spoken in it. I have swept it clean. Nothing impure remains.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, you know, <laughs> they, he's, they, they, they just don't write like that anymore. <laughs> no, they don't.
0: Uh, so it, anyway, he, he ends. The last quote I have in here is, uh, brothers, listen, I have told you that I speak from my heart and you see the speeches I have delivered. Pursue them and see whether or not I have spoken with sincerity. This is all your brothers of the different nations present have on this day to you. So." He he signs the treaty, uh, and Greenville gives up about two thirds of northern Ohio. Um,
1: yeah. Gre- I don't know. It's Fort Laramie. It was around Loudonville, right around um, Mohican or uh, yeah Mohican State Park.
0: Um, we'll have to look. I think the Treaty of Greenville was signed down by Dayton, down uh, around Dayton. I, I know that
1: there's a historical marker down by, uh, down by, yeah. I'll look here. You you, Go ahead. you look it up. Yep. I, I think that
0: um and this is why we do this right it's like yeah. there's so much it's 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 thick and and we get into the weeds and you guys might be listening like good lord just these tell guys us, are idiots <laughs> just tell us something <laughs> that's real uh but it's it's hard but i as far as i know the greenville treaty line oh. starts down around fort laramie
1: southwest of dayton so so you're right i okay uh it was dark county which is down uh it's greenville it's greenville ohio yes
0: yeah what is it
1: okay and there, i should
0: mention fallen timbers was in 94 the treaty of greenville was in 95 1795 blue jacket was there you know at, at the at fallen timbers Any, anyway uh the wyandotte the delaware the shawnee the ottawa the miami uh the kaskaskia indians um all signed that treaty of greenville um it basically gave up Northwest Ohio, and it gave twenty thousand dollars in trade goods for um, Southern Ohio. The the a lot of Indians received an annual annuity, um, and it allowed trading posts in Indian territories. And I believe there was a trading post. And Brian, you might know this because it's out in your stomping grounds. I've always heard that there was a trading post out around in time
1: township somewhere, maybe in Smithville or maybe in, I i think right there at Smithville on, uh, this is the way I understood it on where the Smithville church sits. Yes. Uh, so, so it kind of sits at the top of the Hill with the Sandusky river down below it on the other side of the river, or yeah, the other side of the river. So where like modern day Smithville sits, I think on the, what would that be? North, uh, East side of the river and sixty seven crossing, there. That's where the trading post sat. I've heard that too. That's exactly the spot that yeah. I've heard.
0: And there, the bridge used to be cl- over there to that side as well. I think there have been two
1: bridge, other and, bridges there. But and as I recall, I I believe uh, isn't that where they the uh, the Wyandots ended up with uh, Crawford at some point, and yes, the, and the trading post owner tried to negotiate his release. G- that's where Gerty tried to was Gertie Gertie was like, dude, just escape.
0: I got my, you know, I got, I've got a slave. He'll meet you here. And that was where he was like, Oh, I don't think I have the pluck to do it. The pluck. Uh, Yeah. I haven't the pluck to do that. (laughs) So, okay. So it's 1795 and now the uh, Southern Ohio has now been turned over to, um, to the white people. Uh, this is where um, the story of Tecumseh sort of begins as well. Uh, Tecumseh was a young man at this time whose father had been killed, and uh, he, he becomes extremely against white encroachment in Ohio and begins that pan-Indian alliance that will attempt probably the best hope that the Native people ever had of, of forming what would have become like a, a some sort of pan Indian country uh, in the interior of, of, of the country, but he doesn't. Uh, and obviously we
1: know that. So, so to, to, to clarify my earlier statement, I was wrong. It was not signed down by, it, it was done by Frederick town. There is a, there is a historic marker for the Greenville treaty line, but it's, it's just for the line. It's not for where it was. Okay. I, yep.
0: Yep. Is that where it, cuts and goes north.
1: Uh, apparently there's like six or eight of them yeah that okay. <laughs> designate the line. Okay. So yeah. so I can't say for sure exactly which one cuts north there, but uh somebody was really proud of the, the treaty of Greenville line.
0: Yeah well you know it's a treaty. So um a 1795 uh you know and and on we see several treaties. Um yeah. the Treaty of Detroit in eighteen oh seven and then the treaty of Brownstown which is up around Detroit and the Treaty of Maumee Rapids in 1817. And I think that one, the Treaty of Maumee Rapids, which is also called uh, the Treaty with the Wyandots. And that is when the Wyandotte Reserve was set aside. In 1817, a 12-mile by 14-mile reserve that surrounded Upper Sandusky. Today, if you took the borders of Wyandotte County and sort of shrunk them in by about seven miles, six miles on each side, uh, you end up with what was the Wyandotte Indian Reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another reserve out by Osceola that was about a square mile around Osceola, and then there was another one mm. uh, up in Timocti right by the the, the town
1: of Timocti. It's at the town of Timocti. It's in it's in Time-Octi Township. <clears throat> it's on the uh, so if you if people listening, if you know we're one hundred three State Route one hundred three comes west out of Cary, and then heads north for about a mile, and then heads east into Sycamore. Uh, right, right there at the intersection of 103 and 53 is the, the unincorporated, I believe, town of Timocti in Taimakti Township. That was known as the Cherokee Boy Reservation.
0: Correct. Anaru. Yeah. Um, was a Cherokee that lived with the Wyandots, and they said, look, we've got this you know, this is great for the Wyandotte people, but we have a
1: Cherokee that's living here. We, we and, got this treaty coming up. Do you want anything? Yeah. yeah. They,
0: they eventually then, um, so so then things began uh, to negotiate. It, at the, In the Treaty of Fort Megs or the Treaty with the Wyandotte or the Treaty of Maumee Rapids, uh, which was in 1817, uh, the Wyandots were given $4,319, American dollars, for that land and that, that they had ceded. And then they were also promised a five hundred dollar annuity every year. They would get five hundred dollars from the U.S. government uh, that would go towards education, uh, which they used. And Brian and I—Brian mentioned this in the intro—that the the Wyandots are a very intelligent people, and that's not to say that all Native Americans aren't intelligent. But the Wyandots were American intelligent. They had studied American law a little bit. They had. Uh, guys like, um, William Walker and John Hicks were very educated in like white schools down around Columbus. Uh, Walker went to a school in Worthington. Did he? Yeah. Huh. Uh,
1: and they and had started the assimilation process they they, and they had embraced it and
0: they did about half of the dots seemed to embrace, um, this new lifestyle. Uh, and then it also so happens that 1817 is when John Stewart shows up. So it's a big year for the Dots. They sign this treaty. They end up on, oh, they're also given a, a reserve, a reserve that's now killed Oh, uh, was part of that, part of that deal. So, um, more Swamp land. Th- Thanks guys. And, and the Dots at this point are pretty much engaged in like a, a full on, uh, operation to, uh, uh, assimilate into American culture. Uh, they're becoming Christians. They're building, they begin building log homes. Uh, the, um a, a white settler that came through Upper Sandusky in the 1830s said that you wouldn't notice it from a white village. Hmm. Uh, that it it very much seemed like a a white village. Uh, <clears throat> now all of this, I I guess I didn't mention the reason in the Treaty of Fort Meigs in 1817. Uh, or the the treaty with the sorry the Treaty of Miami Rapids in 1817. Hmm. The reason the Dots we're on the right side of that is that during the war of 1812, the Ohio country and the Great Lakes were a crucial region um, that really the, the British were trying to control. And Tecumseh and almost every other Native American people in Ohio joined Tecumseh and the British to fight the Americans and the Wyandots sided with the Americans.
1: Wow. Which, which, going back to what Graham was stating earlier about uh, Catholicism and the French uh, moving moving into the area, uh, that northern boundary with the British and the other tribes that the Wyandots were not siding with was probably the reason that allowed uh, uh, Stuart, John Stuart, to come into the area w- as with the Methodist Church because... Catholicism was being pushed off, essentially, at the northern front by uh, by America and by the Americans and the the Wyandot Nation, because that was associated oftentimes with uh, the French coming yes, down. Exactly. That's so, exactly right. So it left kind of an opening in the bottom for and from the east as the Burned Over District, yep, uh, yep. the Methodist Burned Over District in Western New York uh, pushed into the Ohio Country.
0: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So they, um, so yeah, the, the war of 1812 is a huge, uh, boost for Wyandotte American relations and, um, and and a lot of stuff comes from it. We, we end up with this reserve and an annuity. We, we pretty much become the, the native tribe that is, um, the, the most accepting of white settlement in this area. Now I'm sure, if you are talking, if if you're telling the story from Tecumseh's point of view, who tried to assassinate Chief Tarhee, um, and did assassinate, um, what what was his name? Round, Roundhead. Roundhead. Yeah, is that right? Roundhead, the one that's down. He has the monument down by. Well, there's a town.
1: Yeah, down down in uh, southern Hardin County. Yeah, southwest Hardin County.
0: oh okay yeah it's yeah. not round leather lips
1: so leather oh, leather lips, leather lips okay.
0: who if you've ever been to there there was also a windout village down around what today is powell um if you remember if those of you out there listening remember um, when i was a kid in the 80s and i think into the 90s the zoo brian do you oh. remember this what was the name of the water park at the windout or at the uh Columbus Zoo. It was Wyandotte Lake. Wyandotte Lake, because there was a Wyandotte tribe there whose chief was Leatherlips, who was assassinated by Tecumseh. They sent assassins to kill Tarhee, and he escaped because why, Brian? Because he's a badass. Because
1: he's a badass. Because <laughs> he's a survivor.
0: He was. And so um, it, when the war ends, and Tecumseh's death is tragic, and I, th- I think one of the most tragic you know, deaths, and Tecumseh was certainly... One of the great Native American leaders. Sure. Like What a great, awesome dude. Some of his quotes. He and uh, William Henry Harrison met yeah. somewhere around Upper. Uh, Harrison was stationed in Upper at Fort Free, and which te- is
1: basically where our courthouse is right now.
0: Yeah, Tecumseh was somewhere in the you know was over by the Tippecanoe Wabash rivers, uh, which is around Fort Wayne today. Mm-hmm uh and they met in the middle somewhere and probably around Lima I would I would guess but they met and Tecumseh said this is paraphrasing but you know from William Henry Harrison's words uh he he's like look I think you know you guys should make a deal with us and Tecumseh was like no we're not making a deal <laughs> um but here's the deal you guys can all leave and we'll keep our land <laughs> and Harrison they go back and forth for a while and then uh, Tecumseh says something to the effect of, well, you tell your great father in his city that he can drink his wine while you and I fight it out. (laughs) And he's talking about Madison. Um, and I think he's talking with wine. I think he's referring to Jefferson kind of Jefferson was a big wine drinker and everybody knew it. Uh, he says he will drink his wine in his city whilst you and I fight it out. Yeah, it's a great
1: line. It, it's it's basically his way of saying you're going to die while you're while the man who's sending you into battle doesn't care. Yeah, he's drinking
0: wine, yeah. sitting in a city named for himself. Yeah, you know, or, you know.
1: you're you're going to just die while that guy is comfortable and warm at night. You're, yes. You're stuck in a tent every night. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, also after the war of 1812, um, a gift is given to the Wyandotte people from the U S government, Brian, um, that doesn't still stand in its original form, but that is still one of our historical markers in Wyandotte County uh, or a historical site.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's actually a fascinating site and it's it one, of, one of my favorites. Uh, it's the first Indian mill, of Indian Indian. It's the Indian mill. Yep. Uh, that is now the museum of Indian milling. Yes. Museum Uh, of milling.
0: Yeah. It's an old, it's an old gist mill, grist Uh, grist mill, grist mill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, if you've never been to Indian mill, if you're from Wyandotte County, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a cool old mill, which now is actually, um, a mill that was built, uh, later. Uh, the original mill that was built after the war of 1812 is about 300 feet South of the current mill. Yeah. Uh, right around Kimmel's yeah. Right, yeah, kind of Kimmel's Mark Kimmel's backyard. Sorry, Mark. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the original one was built by Charles and or John Garrett, maybe both of them. Okay. Uh, built like the that, Garrett's mill. Uh, I think a brother, I think that his brother was John. John um, okay. and I think that they, yeah, they together built it. They must have been builders. Uh, well, I think everybody was probably. <laughs> you didn't have anything else to do. You but better survive. be a builder, but. <laughs> um, but then uh, the mill that's there now is actually was built in 1862 yep. by a guy named Lewis Rummel. Uh, it operated from 1862 to 1843 or 1943. A guy named Foster Finkel was the last operator
1: of that Foster mill. Foster Finkel, great name. Also, the, that mill as it sits, uh, well, the mill as you know it, that mill never had a side wheel. Correct. Uh, the the sluiceway was off to the side and there was a, it's a vertical turbine kind of exactly. Production.
0: It wasn't what you're thinking of, of like a, a, a turbine that's, you can see it spinning and half of it's underwater and half of it's above water. It's not how this it, one works. It's more that the mill was built just barely above a tank. And then the mill kept the water so that it was always dropping into the tank. The turning, dam. The dam kept the water. The, or dropping. the dam. Sorry, yeah. yeah. And then that would turn the turbine, and then that would not only run a big stone wheel to to, to get the it's, the grit off of the, wheat.
1: It separates the uh, that hard shell. Yeah, the papery shell and from the. I I don't. I'm not a miller. We me should neither. we should probably go out to the museum of milling and find out how this works.
0: We should do an episode on the Indian <laughs> mill. Would yeah, Be a good one.
1: Wheat has a hard, crusty shell and you have to crack the shell and, and kind of grind all that stuff out of it to get, to get to the floury part.
0: Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you're right. Let's, l- let's do a whole show on Indian. We mill. digress. Yeah, we have digressed. Um, but back to, um, the, the wine dots. So, uh, so 1817, they, the mill is being built and then they've got, uh, n- they're becoming christians very slowly and we've already told that story about yep. john stewart coming to the mission um and then and then finley comes and it it's you know kind of all honky dory i suppose uh as we get up into the 1820s 1830s and then really by the 18 by 1831 there is a movement by the us government to like okay like this has been long enough The dots need to go.
1: We've entertained you long enough. Uh, It's time to move on. Yes.
0: And so they start um, giving them options for land out west. Yeah. And by out west, I mean... It's um, it's west of Missouri. West of the Mississippi River. Yeah. Somewhere out west of the Mississippi River. Uh, They send, in 1831, a six-man delegation out to... Uh, you know, somewhere right on modern day Kansas City.
1: So, what what year was uh Lewis and Clark expedition? 1803 to 1805. So we knew that that land existed. We owned it now. Uh, there was, uh, as far as the American government was concerned, there was plenty of room for everybody out there because there was nothing there but open, wide open spaces, and. Yeah. And we would never get out to there. Like, we, you know, we'll oh. never get out that far. Oh, man. Way yeah. too much room for everybody. Yeah. It, yeah.
0: it seemed like it was y- the
1: a- perfect place to shove somebody that you didn't want to round your, your people anyway. <sighs> Correct.
0: So they sent a six-man Wyandotte delegation out there. Um, the people that were sent were William Walker, uh, James Washington, Silas Armstrong, Charles Garrett, John Gold, and John Baptiste. Now, you'll notice every one of those names sounds like a white dude,
1: but they were carefully selected by basically William Walker. Um, and, and this is where politics comes in, people. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think one of the important things to note is that this was a political operation. It was, it wasn't military. This was not a military battle where the Wyandots lost some battle someday. This was diplomacy. It was absolutely diplomacy. And so William Walker, who, you know, you, William Walker on the corner of fourth and Walker street, Walker street is named after William Walker Yeah, Uh, the home that he built. At least the foundation of it is still, it's, it's one of the oldest
1: homes in In upper upper. yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, he, they're sent out there and Walker was at this point against removal. He didn't even make it all the way out there. He actually stopped, said he was sick somewhere down the Ohio river. And then when they came back, um, I'll, I'll read you the statement because Johnson wrote this down. Uh, he said, your delegation must say, and that in all truth and sincerity, that they are decidedly of the opinion that the interests of the nation will not be promoted nor their condition ameliorated by a removal from this to the country examined and recommend to the chiefs and nation at large to cease all contention, bickerings, and party strifes, settle down, and maintain their position in the state of Ohio. So in 1831, that's Walker's, that's his return. He's like, look,
1: we're not moving out there. That the land's no good. And, and by we, he, he wasn't, he, he had already kind of asserted himself as being on the side of the native of, of the Wyandotte Indians at that point. So he was basically trying to negotiate with the American government on behalf of the Wyandotte nations and he wasn't impressed.
0: No, no. Yeah. And the, um, James Gardner, mm-hmm. who was the secretary of war at the time. Oh, uh, no, sorry. James Gardner was the guy negotiating that treaty. Um, and he wrote to Lewis Cass that I think, look, these guys, Walker and Armstrong especially, are not of the opinion that they, they're going to move and They're going to convince so, the people. They're too powerful. They're going to keep- they're So, gonna so keep Lewis
1: Cass was the Secretary of War? Yes, for the United States government. Correct. And Gardner was reporting directly. He was he was essentially the uh, military liaison from the U.S. government assigned to negotiate with the Native American populations of Ohio their removal out of the state. Correct. So special commission. Which we were a state by then. By 1803, we had been a state for 30 years at this point. Correct. Yeah. But but not in the same boundaries that and this is what I was alluding to earlier. These aren't the same Ohio as a state hasn't always looked the way Ohio looks right now. Because those treaties were all negotiated over the first 30 to 40 years of statehood
0: yes yeah it was a very And brian and i mentioned a couple treaties and there's so many treaties it's like 50 or 60 that treaties. we we could go through them and go through them and go through them but we've tried to whittle it down to yeah. the ones that mattered you know the big treaties the, yes the main ones yeah. uh so anyway yeah th- there had been 10 specifically with the dot um, in a period of 48 years that led up to the removal just Mm. for, for the record. Uh, so anyway, so Gardner decided then that like, we need to wait, we got to kind of back off. Let's give it some time.
1: We'll, We'll give a little backstory to Gardner here too. Real quick. Gardner had negotiated with five or six other tribes at this point and was successful because he was kind of a bully to begin with. So, so he was really good at, Pushing the will of the American government onto the Native tribes, moving them out, everything was fine. And then he meets the strong will and and diplomacy and intelligence of the Wyandotte Nation, and he's he's a little stymied.
0: Yes, and, and this is the point in the intro. I said, you know, this is more personal, more more emotional, and and deeper than anything we we don't know what. The the people here were talking about in their homes, right? Like, <laughs> think about what's been going on in in the United States in the last year, and all of the public discourse yeah. that we have access to. And so we know we're like, oh, this country's divided. Oh, everyone's this and that, and people are either black or they're they're on this side or they're that side. You know, it's everything's black and white. We, we don't know what these guys. We don't know what they were doing. No, we, It's 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 all. Conjecture. This we is have this no is
1: historical narrative. Absolutely. It is, it's, and it's a it's a it's actually a thing. One one of Graham and I's favorite authors um is Alan Eckert. And ah. he, he was a fantastic historian, uh wonderful with, with the westward expansion and everything else. But Alan Eckert took a lot of liberties in his writing because he could, because the if you have the historical perspective, when it comes to writing dialogue we don't know what they were saying right we have no idea
0: yeah we we don't know what we, we don't know what between the logs and his wife were talking about yeah. um, when, when they really made these decisions
1: like as families, she's, which is probably what they were doing. She's probably nagging him about taking the trash out just like yeah. every other married man, you know, yeah,
0: get down to the river and get me some fresh <laughs> yeah, water so geez, I can, man. you know, yeah.
1: How do you expect me to make dinner with this dirty water? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, uh, yeah. So by 36 in 1836, the Wyandots did agree to give up some land out by Osceola and they ceded um, a few eight, uh, um, a, a few hundred acres of land, a couple hundred acres of land out by Osceola. Then in 1838, um, another um, uh, treaty was attempted, and at that point, Gardner said he thinks that about 50% of the Wyandots are desirous, and this is a quote, were desirous to emigrate, uh, and indications of further progress um, could be made by 1840. So by 38, Gardner thinks they're getting somewhere. And I want to mention this because I think it might be what people don't understand. The dots had pretty much become two p- political parties. One that was a Moravian Christian praying mm. uh, white assimilation group. And another what that they called traditionalists.
1: Traditionalists. Yeah. The,
0: the traditional Wyandots. and Believe it or not, the traditional wine dots are the ones that wanted to leave. Yeah. They were like, look, th- this is not fun anymore. These, these people suck. <laughs> these people suck. It's kind of like, you know, you you get run out of your neighborhood. Yeah. And the 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 ones that had assimilated wanted to stay. And I I think it's important to remember that the ones that wanted to leave are the ones that we might think are the ones that wanted to stand their ground and like we're why not indians but it, wasn't. but it was the opposite
1: they'd been moving around for 200 years what's another move right they, yeah i mean to them it's just where can i go to survive and be left alone
0: Co- correct yeah. and they that's what they wanted they yeah.
1: wanted to be live out my life uh, and be happy now i said earlier that uh, that the william walker expedition out west to to the kansas to the kansas area that it was uh it was hand the guys were hand picked by him yeah. So yeah. one of the problems that uh Gardner had is that when William Walker and his crew returned in 1832 in January or February whatever it was in 1832. Right. That's when that that's when things kind of started going sour because that's when William Walker said, "Listen, this isn't that land's not great out there. We we don't we don't want to move out there. Nobody wants to move out there." And that's when Cass started writing, or that's when Gardner starts writing to Secretary Cass that I'm not impressed with uh, William Walker. I think he handpicked these people and planted this seed in their head that they shouldn't be moving. And basically, it was all negotiation. And and Gardner wasn't happy with Walker.
0: Correct. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and I think they weren't happy with Gardner
1: either. Oh, no, they weren't happy with Gardner.
0: So that's why in 1841. They bring in John Johnson.
1: This is ten years after the first yeah. expedition and, west to see the land,
0: and they bring in John Johnson, who had previously lived among the Wyandots mm-hmm. uh, and knew more about them. They respected him more, and it's it's John Johnson, Johnson
1: Street, Johnson Street, uh,
0: that is going to end up getting this treaty done. And I, uh, when I bring up Johnson and him living here, uh, I think it brings up another interesting point. Uh, Johnson says that in 1840, that he would suspect that about a quarter of the Wyandotte Indians had intermarried with white people. Mm-hmm. So the Wyandotte store, again, it's so
1: complex and there's just so much. There, like- were, there, were, all, there were a lot of white whites living amongst the wine dots. There were a lot of blacks living amongst the wine dots. Yeah. The, the wine dot nation, as we know, it was not, it was very homogenous. I'm going to make it b- or no opposite opposite. Yeah. yeah. It, it was not homogenous.
0: No, it was, it's not like it was a bunch of, uh, all wine dot that had never yeah. had any exposure. Like these are, these are a complex, very open-minded, culturally diverse yeah. people. Which I think just makes it fascinating. And and again, it's back to, I said, we have no idea the actual complexity of what was going on in the 1840s when this was happening, but we do know that they're, they're a diverse people. They're smart. They're educated. Here's what uh, Johnson says about uh, by 1841, uh, Francis Hicks, Hicks street, Hicks street. uh, Francis Hicks was the chief. And Johnson says uh, this of him, the chiefs of this nation are unusually cautious, cunning and prudent men. The principal one, Francis Hicks is educated and is all informed and intelligent. There are about 60 white families living on the reserve as renters and croppers. So just that, that statement right there that, you know, they're cunning, pruning Uh, not pruning, prudent, Uh, prudent uh, men, right? Like these are smart, wise, cautious, Mm -hmm. long-term thinkers. Like these are, I I think
1: the word that that would best describe them would be deliberate. Yes. Yes. So let's, uh, let's, let's take a break here, Graham. Real
0: stories, podcast listeners. This is your host, Graham Treadway. And I have something very serious to tell you. And that is, thank you. Uh, Over the last year, Brian and I have gotten to hang out and record these podcasts with the hope that someone would listen. And people have been listening. And it's been quite honestly a humbling experience for Brian and I, not only to learn the stories that we're telling, but to help other people hear these stories. It's been really great. And uh, it's not just Brian and I that do this. Um, we've, We've had a lot of help from Ben Zissler, who's recorded all these ukulele riffs you hear in the background. Greg Moon did our intro and outro music for us. Our wives help us out a ton, uh, just with telling us what sounds good and what sounds not good. And uh, Jordan Lawrence gave us the idea for the name. Uh, It's just been a great experience, and Brian and I are humbled and super appreciative. Thank you, and keep listening. Now, back to the show. Oh,
1: and we are back. Thank you so, to our sponsors.
0: Yeah. we You know, we've been having some sponsors been rolling in. We haven't yeah. accepted any sponsorships, um, but we have had people asking us and we super appreciate that. We probably will um, pick some things and every once in a while mention some things on air. Uh, with Brian and I aren't doing this for the money. We're doing this for the history. Uh, but you know we we've had some offers that are interesting to us and and businesses
1: that we appreciate. So we definitely are yep. super appreciative of that. Very, very. And um, and I I have to say I'm I'm uh I'm sitting here trying to work through my bifocals and and I, it's it's not doing very well. I really think I need to go see Kip Noel for my. Uh, <laughs> for some new glasses. <laughs> if any of you picked up oh, on a shameless man. plug, that's good. <laughs> he's the best eye doctor in the world ever.
0: So, uh <laughs> yeah, he's uh, great guy, great guy. Yeah. Uh and his his wife Mary, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So so good. So uh okay, so we left uh, it's 1841, Johnson is brought in and he knows the wine dots and essentially uh, you know from most of what we know from this period uh, we're getting from Johnson's account. Because now he's writing back to, mm-hmm. you know, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of the Interior, trying to figure out um, how we're going to deal with this situation, and it comes down to uh, four things. The dots were interested in four things. One, okay, if we're leaving, what are you going to pay us? Like we're we're not doing this for free. What will our annual, uh, a perpetual annuity be? We want, we want annu- some yeah. money. What's in it for us? Uh, the second one was would the government provide a school. And expenses to assume the tribal debts. Um, why not tribe? This was part of what's known as the factory system uh, that actually that George Washington had sort of concocted was, well, what if we loan them money and then they'll be in debt to us? Eventually <laughs> we'll be able to collect on that debt and they'll pay us with land. Jeez. Uh, and I know it's not good, but that's, I know it's just part of kind of how it worked. Rich and, people
1: always find a way to get everything. Jeez. Uh, um, the,
0: the third thing was, would they be paid for their improvements on their land? So there was one thing mm. like, okay, you're going to oh. pay us for the land, but like I've, I've built a house here. Yeah. Uh, so will we be paid for our land? And then, um, the, the most important thing was where are you going? Wh- where will our new lands be? And so in 1841, that negotiation process with Johnson began and was pretty extensive back and forth for quite a while. Um, but eventually, Johnson is going to find the right piece of land and the Wyandots are going to agree, uh, uh, agree to the settlement. And uh, that will become known as the Treaty uh, at Upper Sandusky, uh, which was signed on March 17, 1841. Uh, I think it was, um, then completely ratified in October of that year by the time it got back to Congress and then it was, uh, official, but you know, I'm not gonna, I, I have it in front of me and you can Google this. If you Google, um, uh, you know, treaty with upper Sandusky, uh, treaty of upper Sandusky with the wine dots, you can find it. Uh, And what it did was, basically, I'll read you the beginning. The Wyandotte Nation of Indians do hereby cede to the United States all that tract of land situated lying and being in the county of Crawford and state of Ohio, commonly known as the residue of the large reserve, being of their remaining lands within the state of Ohio and containing 109,144 acres, more or less um and that that's how the treaty starts out and then essentially what the treaty does is it it to to just be kind of brief about it uh i'm going to make sure i tell you it all right so it was they gave up 113,140 acres um in ohio and in michigan in exchange they got 148,000 acres west of the mississippi which we'll we'll get to and expenses for removal a perpetual annuity of $17,500, a $500 a year fund for education, and the full value of all of their improvements on their land. And th- their debts of $23,860 were all paid. Uh, and that's the treaty uh, uh,
1: of, with the Wyandots. And, and the descendants of Cherokee Boy, I believe, yeah. had something out of there also. Like like there the, the funny thing about it, when you read through the the actual treaty itself there were several prominent Wyandotte peoples that also got things. For sure, sure. Line, oh, oh, yeah. like line items there almost.
0: were. Uh, here here's one. This is, this is interesting article 8. The United States engaged to provide and support a blacksmith and an artisan black and an assistant blacksmith for the wine. nation. And to furnish annually a sufficient quantity of iron, steel, coal, files, tools, and all other things necessary and proper in such an establishment. And to erect a suitable shop and house or houses for the residents of the blacksmith and his assistant. So they get a blacksmith shop too. Yeah. <laughs> uh you know, and there there's more um, about the church. There was a mention the building and farm occupied by the mission of the Methodist Episcopal Church shall remain in possession of the present incumbents until the first day of April 1844, and permission is hereby given to harvest and remove the crop of fall grain, which may be sown.:
1: Yeah, so so they had to have something to take with them, basically. Yeah, yeah.
0: and again, we we've already talked about the mission church, but you know that you know, ends up falling into decay. And by the 1880s is, is basically in rubble and then is rebuilt in 89. And then, you know, is now there and is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Great, cool old building uh, in our time.
1: Great marker for marker of history. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, you know, and then it goes on. I mean, it, the, the treaty is pretty extensive. It talks even about barns, stables, fences, horses, cattle, hogs, farming utensils. Um, and here's a good one. Uh, and household furniture to a large amount, the property of the late William Walker of Brownstown in the territory of Michigan was destroyed by the enemy while in occupancy of the United States forces. And by reason of his attachment to the cause of this country, being a native citizen taken prisoner in early life by the Wyandotte Indians intermarried and ever afterwards living among them, The evidence of all which is ample and conclusive, there is therefore granted unto Catherine Walker, widow of the said William Walker, and to his heirs, the sum of $3,000 in full satisfaction of their claim to be paid by the United States to her or them after the ratification of this treaty. So like you said, there's individuals mentioned. And that story right there about William Walker, like... What a fantastic! Yeah. We could do a podcast just about just on William, William Walker. Walker, right? Yeah, I mean it's 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 again such a rich story that unfortunately is is a lot of it unknown, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Cherokee Boy, for instance, you know Cherokee Boy was uh, uh, Oranu, as H yeah. O R O N U as Graham was talking about earlier. He lived to be a hundred and ten years old. Died in eighteen thirty-seven, <laughs> supposedly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I don't or I, I don't know if they were calculating days different back then. I
0: I doubt it. Say. I mean, I I, I, mean, I mean, I would yeah. imagine that's true, right? Uh, or it's a real story.
1: Well, I guess we'd have to see his birth certificate. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so okay, so they they signed this treaty in eighteen forty-two, but then they have essentially like a year uh, mm-hmm. to you know, tidy things up and
1: collect your grain.
0: This is when Colonel, or this is when Charles Dickens comes to upper drinks from the well at the, the old spring and talks about how the wine dots had done, you know, that it it was a close vote, but Mm -hmm. they did agree on it. And they all kind of decided, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. Uh, I I've got two things I've, I've got to read. And, uh, the, the one is, uh, the farewell address that was given by Squire Gray Eyes uh, mm. on July 9th, 1843. The Wyandots gather at the Old Mission Church. Picture it, Upper Sandusky, <laughs> July 9th, 1843. Uh, and Squire Gray Eyes delivers this message to about 664 members of the Wyandotte Nation um, who were gathered there and essentially for the farewell. That, that's a leaving. large.
1: That's a large group of people.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and Squire gray eyes had been one of the ones that resisted removal, right? Mm-hmm. He's the leader of the mission church. He did not want to leave his church. Um, yeah. he, he wanted to stay, but he had come around and, um, he gave this speech and I'll just read it. Uh, it'll only take me about two minutes to read, uh, my people, the time for our departure is at hand. A few words remain only to be said. Our entire nation is gathered here for farewell we have this morning met together for the last time in our love feast more than 200 have testified to the great power of god brother wheeler has preached the funeral of our dead our john stewart our beloved menonku our recently murdered samundawat are eloquent between the logs they sleep the sleep of death but the hope of immortality is strong within our breasts our chiefs have committed to the care of our white brothers our temple to our great spirit, the grave of our ancestors. The Indian does not forget the pale-faced brother who came to him with the message from the great spirit and who loved him well and served him well. The white man's God has become the Indian's God, and with us go ever to our new home, our beloved shepherd, Brother Wheeler, our sister, Lucy Armstrong, the Wyandotte bride. Surely like the white-faced truth of all that she says, whither thou goest i will go and where thou lodgest i will lodge thy people shall be my people and thy god my god where thy diest i will die and there will i be buried it only remains for me to say farewell yes it is indeed farewell no more and this is just a beautiful part of this no more shall we engage in the solemn feast or the feast of rejoicing no more shall Sandusky plains and forests echo to the voice of song and praise. No more shall we assemble in our temple to sing the sacred songs and hear the story of the cross. Here our dead are buried. We have placed fresh flowers upon their graves for the last time. No longer shall we visit them. Soon they shall be forgotten. For the onward march of the strong white man will not turn aside for the Indian graves. Farewell. Farewell, Sandusky River. Farewell. Farewell our hunting grounds and homes. Farewell to the stately trees and forests. Farewell to the temple of the great spirit. Farewell to our white brothers, our friends, our neighbors. It is but a little time for us till we leave our earthly home. For here we are no continuing city, but we seek one that is to come, whose builder and maker is God. Let us remember the dying words of Brother Stuart, be faithful. And they're off.
1: Yeah, Sam some, some uh Just for a little context, Samundawat was a, a Wyandotte chief who was uh, he was he, he and his family were off reservation and murdered by a group of whites. So yeah, uh, they they talk right at the beginning about the murder of our beloved Somunda Watt.
0: Yep, so. uh, he was m- on a hunting trip over by Finley. Is that and where it was? Two white guys, um, and I knew their names. I know their names, but uh, Bill and Joe. Two two. Uh, Two white guys are like with him and murder him. And I think they tried to murder his wife, but she lived and the, they, they ran away and were never found. Uh, I'm going to tell you their names here in one second. Yeah. It says, uh, James Lyons and John Anderson. They were arrested, escaped from jail and never found. And that was in 1835. And I've read before it was, it was somewhere over around carry by the big spring reserve over there. Okay
1: uh he he and his entire family were were killed it was all of them killed yeah. yeah
0: and uh yeah so they i've i read somewhere once that that was a
1: i don't think i don't think they were traveling with him i think they, they came he, upon him they came upon him and he took them in and gave them food and shelter yeah that at, uh, yeah i knew they that him. yeah
0: it was yeah. like they had sat around a fire together yep. and then that night uh, he prayed and while he was praying, they like hatcheted in the back of his head and yeah. uh, killed him.
1: Yeah. It was, it was jerks. Dirty.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, that was Squire Gray eyes, you know, saying farewell at the old mission. Uh, I've always been touched by that. You know, just, it, it, we don't have that many things that we know that the wine dots said, right. Yeah. That, that were recorded. So that one was, uh, they, they then begin their journey. Um, out of Ohio, uh, mm-hmm. which certainly is I, it, it isn't maybe the Trail of Tears that we think of with the Cherokee, um, which was a a, a very a horrible thing <laughs> when the Cherokees were removed from Georgia, it was much more forced and much less honorable. The wineandos seemed to at least get a pretty good gig like they they were they were sent off. Well, with they, somewhat high hopes, well, I, I well, believe. Well, they weren't
1: beaten the back of their head with a, <laughs> you know, pistol whipped. <laughs> yeah, uh, on it, the way out. Yes, exactly. I, I, I think that's that's the important thing to note here is that each each tribe had their own trail of version of the Trail of Tears. Obviously, the Trail of Tears is, like you said, it, it's a significant and horrible experience, or or you know, it culminates all the the war and strife and everything that the Cherokee people had been through. But there were several other uh, indigenous nations that, that had that, had similar experiences and were forced out. And, and basically, you know, one day they were, they packed up and they had to leave. Like that was it. They didn't have a choice.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so they left and as far as I can figure, um, from what I've read, um, pretty much took like 67 (laughs) South.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was the, the, uh,
0: the Wa- the Tomica trail, which the I ba- trail. Ba- basically yeah. went down to Wapa Yeah. Um, and they went, uh, but kind of South, they went, um, probably through around Kenton now, and then down through Belle Fountain, Urbana, um, and made their way down to
1: like some- the mouth of the, uh, Miami River, right? Correct. And then down to the, Cincinnati, the down to the Ohio and Cincinnati. Yeah, the headwaters of the Miami and then down to the mouth.
0: Correct. And um at that point got on ships, uh, steamers, and uh were were taken down uh to the reservation in Kansas. Yeah. Uh Oklahoma, Kansas, they they actually ended up in a couple different spots. Um and I think it actually took them until like eighteen fifty-five. When they ended up where they ended up because they, they got down there and they kind of moved around and they, they ended up basically at the confluence of the Kansas and the Missouri river Yeah, in, in Kansas city.
1: It's in Kansas city, Missouri yeah. uh, or Kansas. Kansas
0: city, Kansas, Kansas. correct. Kansas yeah. city, Kansas. Uh, I, you know um, that along the way um, one of their, uh, leaders named J- Jacquez, Jac- Jacquez, uh, Jacques Jaquez. Jacques J A C Q U E
1: S probably Jaquez. Yeah, Jacquez.
0: Uh, stopped at the Ohio State House, took a, a trip through Columbus, and stopped at the Ohio State House uh, to give a speech to the governor of Ohio, who oh, yeah. I think was Shannon, Governor Shannon. Um, and I w- I won't read this whole thing, um, but he. I'll read you this paragraph. We part with the people of Ohio with feelings the more kind because there has not been any hostility between our people and your people and ours since the Treaty of General Wayne at Greenville. Almost 50 years of profound peace between us have passed away and have endeared your people to ours. Whatever may be our future fate beyond the Mississippi, whither we are bound. We shall always entertain none but feelings the most kind and grateful toward the people of Ohio. Before Wayne's treaty, there had been a long war between our fathers and your ancestors. At that treaty, our people promised peace, and they have been kept that promise faithfully. We shall forever keep that promise as long as the sun shines and the rivers run.
1: Diplomacy. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's brilliant. Even, Even in the face of, you know, adversity and, and being, uh, eschewed out of their, their terrestrial homelands, they're still complimentary towards the people who are doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's, Uh, that's that's the kind of, that's the kind of, uh, humility that you don't often see.
0: Agreed. And, you know, I'll throw this out there. Um, if anyone from the, the wine, wine dot nation, happens to listen to these
1: which would be awesome which would be fantastic
0: (laughs) and we're open to all of your anything you want to tell us that we're missing or that that we've gotten wrong but i'm going to read you another paragraph from jaquez and and maybe this will get us an invite (laughs) and we in our part promise the same kindness to any of your people should they visit us in our far western future home Our original purpose was to have passed through Columbus on our departing journey from Ohio to the West, but for the purpose of shortening our route on such a long journey, the principal part of our people have passed through Urbana. But although for the reason stated, our people have passed through Ohio by the shortest route, yet they could not forgo the pleasure of sending you their chiefs and addressing you and through you, the people of Ohio in the language of truth, friendship, and sincerity. So if you're listening and you want to email Brian and I at uh we we have a web website uh com. and you want to invite Brian and I to come we will be there or if you guys are heading back this way yeah. we know <laughs> you know we talked about um Chief Billy Friend and and Scott Washburn I know they have a good relationship and yeah. uh
1: if we could get and and obviously the last 2 years covid has made travel difficult or at least complicated things for sure yeah so so hopefully, now that the world is starting to kind of come back online, and and we're all becoming a little bit more able to travel thanks to yes. vaccines and and whatever else, um, if something happens, uh, if if the Wyandotte Nation has a has a planned visit to Wyandot County for any reason whatsoever, be it for the mission church or any kind of delegation being sent here. We would love the opportunity to discuss anything at all with Agreed. any of them. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, again, we
0: you know, ha- have the utmost respect for, uh, like I said at the beginning, I, I feel uh, in a weird way like I'm a part of it in a, a very removed way. Uh, but I definitely uh, feel a, a little bit like we're somewhat a part of that nation.
1: I think Graham and I both just feel like the stories deserve to be told. Agreed. Whether, whether they're uncomfortable or not is, is irrelevant. The stories deserve to be told. And frankly, they deserve to be told by the people who know them best. And, Agreed. and that's not always us. So. Oh for sure yeah we're yeah. we're just doing our best here, yeah, and I hope everyone pre- appreciates
0: that, uh, and you know, you might be listening to this and thinking, oh, they got that date wrong or all of this is, <laughs> you know, I
1: challenge you to do better, <laughs> yeah,
0: you know this is we're we're just trying to get these stories down uh as best as we can, so anyway, I guess that's my long way of saying, hey, Billy friend, if you're listening, <laughs> we want to we would man we would do a whole season if we could do sit for four or five hours with you and we just chit chat it'd be amazing
1: we would cherish a friendly relationship
0: agreed Yeah. yes um all right so i mean i know we this story was top heavy um a lot of <laughs> stuff coming on at the beginning and then kind of Short and sweet at the end there's also a song, uh, that was written by an unknown author, which makes me wonder if it was written by a native, uh, by a Wyandotte <laughs> or by someone,
1: Somebody. but it was
0: in like the, um, uh, the Wyandotte Republican in 1856 or something, but it's called uh, a Dot farewell song. Uh, the, the first line, Adieu to the graves where my father's now rest for, I must be going to the far distant West. I've sold my possessions, my heart fills with woe. I think I must leave them. Alas, I must go. Farewell, my white friends who first taught me to pray and worship my Savior and Maker each day. Pray for the poor native whose eyes overflow with tears of our parting. Alas,
1: I must go. Which was probably written by a, a white guy who was yeah. lamenting the whole scenario on in hindsight.
0: Yes, agreed. Yeah.
1: So anyway. but, but a beautiful song nonetheless. Yeah, so Brian, we
0: have any uh anything else to to wrap up here?
1: I don't think so, Graham. This was this was a, a challenging one, I'll admit. Uh you know, n- n- neither of us are really uh, adept at saying be I don't even know how to explain this. Uh, are really good at being PC because we we are <sighs> we're so exposed to all of these controversial topics every day being historians. Yeah. That, How how do you how do you soften some of this? It's hard. And,
0: you know, I try to I know that I've I've kind of I do think that this was a somewhat amicable farewell.
1: I I don't it's as amicable as as any of the ones that we've studied, I'm sure. Agreed. And that
0: that isn't to say that what happened to Native Americans in this country isn't. Equivalent to genocide, like there there has been a cultural genocide against Native people. But I want to just point out the wyandotte Nation has survived and is thriving. They it's it is a fantastic
1: story of success and resilience. They also had people like William Walker and that were willing to to vouch for them, so to speak. Yes, and that was you know that that's where it all kind of comes down to uh, when you see something. And you can tell in your heart when it's not right, right? Yeah. When you see something that's not right, speak up. Agreed. Just just say something. That's all you have to do. Yeah. You know, just don't be an asshole.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Don't be assholes, people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well,
0: hey, this has been another episode of Real Stories. Brian and I super appreciate everyone that is listening. And, you know, we're gaining some traction. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, You know, you, you might be listening to it, but hit that subscribe button. The more subscribers we get, the easier it is for everyone else to find it.
1: Yeah. Also, check out our website at www.realstoriespodcast.com. And you can message us through there. You can check out our bios. Uh, we've recently updated some pictures, so that's cool. We put stuff on there every once in a
0: while. Yeah. Brian and I, uh, lo and behold, this is not Brian and I's job. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) thank God because my wife would
1: leave me. Yeah. (laughs) uh,
0: No, my wife loves me no matter what, Brian, but (laughs) I, uh, you know, we, we just love that people were out and about and people are telling us, um, if you know, Brian and I, despite the fact that we, we like people listening to us, we're also not like out in public, super outgoing. So if you're somebody that's like, man, my grandpa's story from Vietnam or my grandpa fought in Korea, my grandpa did this, that, that if you know someone with a great story, please tell us and get us in contact with them because we're not just canvassing the area asking everybody to come talk to us, but we do want to talk to people. Um, And we love doing interviews. We're going to, we're going to try to throw a couple interviews at you here um, in the next couple episodes. So stay tuned. This has been another episode of Real Real Stories. Stories.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Well, you're still listening, so you must want to hear the disclaimer. Real Stories Podcast is a homegrown operation by Graham Treadway and Brian Coomer located in Upper Sandusky, Ohio. Please reach out at www.realstoriespodcast.com if you have questions or comments. Thank you.